Hi, welcome to Changemakers by Denim Purvey. We are a group of denim enthusiasts that share a passion for working together to redefine the future of the global denim industry. We're having conversations with experts on the ground of fashion and sustainability. The goal is to envision a new way forward for our habits and our businesses. I'm your host, Natalia Yepes, and let's get started. I was had a lot of fun clicking through your website and looking at the fabrics and the patterns. And I just I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what motivated you to start your sustainable business. Sure. Um, well, my name is Paulina, and I'm the founder of Good Fabric, which is an online store selling um, sustainable fabrics that don't cost the earth. That's my motor, essentially. Um, my story began when I was made redundant during COVID, but actually it was my second redundancy in a row. So I was quite frustrated with how my career was happening or not happening essentially. So in lockdown, it allowed me to kind of step back, regroup and see what I enjoyed the most. And like most of us, um, you know, in lockdown, we got into the habit of baking, cooking, you know, doing all the crafts that we couldn't do because we didn't have time. So I got into sewing massively. And um, because my background prior Good Fabric has been in fashion, I worked as a product developer for about 12 years. So when it came to sewing, I was like, hmm. I could source the fabrics, you know, I know how to do it. I've been doing it for 12 years. So it kind of was like my hobby meeting my experience from my jobs. And it just, it just made sense at that point. Yeah. And how, like, how would you say that you got started? Um, because I know, I know, like, I, I think that I can sew, but you know, you're probably much better. Um, but um, how did you turn that from a passion to a full-blown business? Well, I think like a lot of innovations or ideas or projects that come out of frustration of something or, you know, because you can't find something. So there was something missing. And for me, it was frustration in my jobs. So as a product developer, we would create products um, or packaging. Packaging was a big part of my job. And sustainability was always something that we've talked about. It was something for big companies like a box to tick. You know, we have to be sustainable. What can we do? And usually it would be like a bare minimum. And then, you know, when you look at the costs, the buyers would want to push the cost down. And usually they would say, okay, let's not use you know, this paper, let's use cheaper paper, or let's not use organic, let's use just normal. Um, so sustainability was kind of, it should have been a non-negotiable, but usually it was the thing that was always compromised on. It's quite frustrating because, you know, that's what I do. That's what I was hired to do. But then it was all down to cost eventually and it would be dismissed. So when it came to starting my own thing, you know, it was like a non-negotiable, the sustainability is going to be a forefront of it. Um, because I don't have to answer to anyone, which is a great thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, my, everything starts with the sustainability in a sense. 
I guess I'm curious. So how do you um, classify whether a fabric is sustainable versus unsustainable? How did you come up with that rubric for yourself? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to fabric sustainability, there's many layers to it. Um, you can look at it from a human point of view, as in who made it and the factories, or you can look at it from the fiber point of view, you know, what it's made out of, or how does it look, how does it affect the people or the planet? So there's so many layers and each layer can be always improved on. So when it came, comes to sourcing fac, um, fabrics, I look for fabrics with certification and each certification will look, ensure either that the you know it's chemically safe to the end user which is us or it is um, safe for the planet that there's no waste or that there, the waste is being reused and used again uh, so there's different layers so my criteria is always starts with accreditations um, which so it's my it's my trick of the trade i suppose each accreditation comes with a certification number not to get too geeky about it, but you can always check those numbers. So you can go into the database of, let's say, organic certifications such as GOTS. You type in the number and it will tell you exactly if the factory is approved, if the, the weight storage um, is being managed, is approved, you know, if the farmers are being paid the, the right wage, everything can be checked online if it has accreditation. So that's my kind of, a must-have. You can't just yes. you, you can't just um, say it's organic and then not have the, the the science to back it up. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That's basically uh, transparency. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. And um, are there any innovative fabrics that you're looking into? Um, I know. I think. <laughs> People always like thinking, oh, my clothing's made of banana peel or something. Um, but I don't know if you look down these avenues um, and what obstacles you might encounter. Yeah. Um, I say I'm a sucker for innovation, for sure. I love innovative fabrics. I think it's just the people who invent it are so clever. It's just, you know, my mind doesn't go that way. Oh, you know, there is some wood chippings. Can I make a fabric out of it? Somebody, I'm sure, can. So it's very clever and I very much admire that. Um, I definitely have explored that avenue when working in fashion industry because I worked for big brands. We had, we had the buying power, we had the volumes to back it up. As a small brand, my number one obstacle when it comes to sourcing directly from mills would be the minimum order quantity. You know, they want 1,000 yards and I'm not there yet. Um, you know, 200,000 yards, you have to be like, Burberry or someone. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest obstacle. But we've definitely explored um, pineapple skin. So there's a brand called Pinatex and very popular to make handbags these days. Um, definitely recycled products such as recycled fishnets and recycled carpets. Actually, I do stock that fabric. That is one exception. <laughs> I do stack. We call it uh, from trash to treasure. Um, it is essentially, you know, all discarded plastic bottles and fishnets and carpets, and they are recycled. So they have to be made out of nylon. 
and then it can be regenerated and made into a lycra fabric, which is great for like activewear and swimwear. And so yeah, it's one of those fabrics that I call quite circular. So you can actually then break it down again and turn into something new again. So it just goes round and round and round. So it can be infinitely regenerated, which is quite clever. Yeah. It's just knowing, you know, how to discard the product. Yes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of thinking went behind that. Sure. Yeah. Um, lovely. And um, do you have any uh, fabrics with you that you care to show us that you um, like to highlight in your store? Ooh. I have to turn my camera around. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you can be, will be able to see them really well. Yeah, I, I, that's the reason I asked because I just saw all the beautiful fabrics behind you. And I just said, wow, we really need to see some. Um, so my, my favorite kind mm -hmm. of fabric is organic got certificated, so, uh, organic guts fabrics. Um, and the reason why I love them the most is because it is a very holistic approach to fabric. It um, starts from the very start of the supply chain. So it looks at the farmers, ensures that they get paid fairly and then you know goes to the factory supply chain storage even the way that you know um which courier they use to finally ship the product to me so it looks at the whole of the chain so always always recommend that product for everything especially for sewing for kids um because it's so safe unfortunately in comparison to other fabrics that are out there um so yeah my favorite is definitely organic um organic jerseys Right, so this one we've just received and it is super super cute like a little coffee break um so yeah it's an organic jersey which is really lovely and um there's actually like a little bit of an added layer to this one because of the prints so i don't know if you can see it really well it's it's about tea time and coffee break okay. um so it's the thought that you know we're very busy and manic and hectic and <laughs> the idea is that you you know you take a break you have your tea time, you have your coffee break, and you come back to what's important. And quite often, for sewers, sewing is a therapy. Mm -hmm. So it's like um, a reminder that, you know, just, just go and relax and enjoy. Yeah, I, I, it gave me the urge to have some pajamas with that and just wake up when you're wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so where are you currently sourcing your fabrics from? Um, and then in terms of when you present it to people, do you, do you present that traceability or do you um, not, even, um, not even discuss that and they just can come in and, and trust that they are having a clean shopping experience? Yeah. Um, so the fabrics come all over the world. Um, Brexit made things a little bit difficult. Um, you know, not many... Um, wholesalers or distributors want to deal with the UK these days because it just added paperwork. Um, but luckily I've got my, my steady supply base. Majority comes from Europe, but their manufacturing is then further um, Far East or Turkey or Portugal. One thing that Brexit has done is increase the paperwork, but that means that whenever a supplier sends me fabrics, they have to declare exactly where the fabric is manufactured. So even if I buy from Denmark, it will say, you know, it's made in South Korea. So I have that transparency with everything that I buy. Um, 
to answer your sort of second question, do customers or do I present this transparency to customers? I don't present it on my website, but I do have the information. So every now and again, I do have a client asking, you know, where it's made. Um, so yeah, I have the answers always for this. Um, I don't think it's that important for them at this stage because they come to me already knowing the good fabric is like safe place to buy. So they don't have to worry too much about it, but yeah, should if they want to, it's there. Yeah, I think that makes sense too because you're you're trust you're establishing that trust with your clients, and so you kind of yeah. you're doing the work. Um, you're doing that work for them. Uh, lovely. Um, so, can you tell us a bit about the challenges um, when you're sourcing sustainable fabrics? Um, like, if you want to pursue a new fabric, what does that what does that look like? Um, putting yourself out there with a new supplier. I would say the biggest challenge when it comes to sourcing sustainable fabrics is finding them. There are so many mills and factories and wholesalers that will use sustainability as a, like a marketing tool or a buzzword or, you know, they'll say, oh, yes, we're sustainable, but there is nothing to back it up. Um, there's no proof. There is there is nothing that will gives me that confidence that they are. Um, so yeah, it's just I guess finding those little gems of factories that proudly put sustainability at the forefront of their manufacturing. So yeah, finding them is the hard bit. Have you ever um, have you ever gone down a path with a manufacturer and? found that they weren't sustainable like how do you how do you sleuth you just rely on their certifications or are there things that kind of give away that they're just greenwashing luckily i haven't had any um issues with my supply base in terms of you know them not being sustainable um, mm -hmm. my supplier base is quite tight um, and i choose those suppliers mostly because all of their production focuses on sustainability. So it's not like they've got just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. No, their whole manufacturing is um, based on either organic or 10 cells. Or... So luckily, yeah, I've got a good, good factories. Um, yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And then when you are sourcing for like a small business versus DIY, mm -hmm. um, like, how does that look different um, when you're dealing yeah, with a small business or just somebody walking to the store? Yeah, so um, my background prior Good Fabric has been in production and development. So I know firsthand all the issues and all the problems and all the uh, difficulties that a small brand will have when it comes to starting their supply chain. So when they come to me, you know, they feel quite relieved because, <laughs> yeah, we get each other. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what I see time and time is that they say, you know, we want sustainable fabric. And I ask them, what does that mean to you? And they can't answer. So often they know that they need to tick that box. They know the customer, the final customer, the consumer out there in the market does want sustainable product. But the brands themselves don't know what they're looking for. So I always, you know, I, I send them back to their brand focus and I ask them, you know, what do you stand for? Are you 
uh, what's important to you. You know, if you produce for small children and newborn and babies, you know, you have to look at, you know, what touches their skin and how it feels. So, you know, maybe you look into the organic or make sure that it is um, natural fibers, you know, cotton and linen, so stay away from polyester. Or it depends. So, yeah, the, the challenges is that quite often they don't know what they're looking for. So I guide them before you even get to the sourcing of the fabrics. You know, there's a whole conversation that happens about, you know, what's important to you when it comes to sustainability, because it is so, so multifaceted. It's, it's not a simple answer. And do you view your consulting portion of your business as, like, as part of your business? And do you see that growing? Definitely, I see that growing. I think it's a very, very natural extension to my business, purely because I've got 12 years of experience in the industry and I just seem to attract those brands um, and I enjoy it you know I wanted I wanted to step away from my career and start something new but I also didn't want to give up all the knowledge that I got in the industry so it's a quite a perfect blend of not giving up and then starting something new that's within the industry and where I can make a bit of a difference hopefully so yeah, definitely, I enjoyed that bit. And I get very excited when I get an email saying, you know, we're looking for an XYZ, can you help out? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And, and what do you view as the future of good fabric? Um, what are some goals that you have in the next few years? I definitely want to remain an online store. Like I don't want to open a retail space or I don't want to go to like fully consulting. I the main focus will stay as an online store selling fabrics for homemakers and dressmakers, you know, to make something for themselves. It's, it's, um, like I said, it's a bit of a therapy. It's quite a therapeutic activity. And, you know, there's a lot of positive things in it. And I enjoy that space. Um, but definitely, yeah, the, the growth of the business will come from the wholesale and the consulting side. Um, maybe one day I'll introduce my own product. I feel like, you know, I've, I've lost count how many products I've launched in my career. Um, and I don't, want, I don't know if I want to do it again, but I can feel already starting, like and my brain sometimes goes, you know, maybe I should, you know, I could do that or I could do this. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, if I get brave enough to do something, you know, with a good fabric brand name on it, maybe one day. That's... Uh... I, I hope you do that. That's very exciting. I feel like whenever you hear about products, there's always like a lot of failed attempts before it. So, yes. so who knows? Um, okay, very cool. Um, and then where do you see the future of the fashion industry going, especially for small businesses since you work with them so closely? I think since Brexit, there's definitely been a little bit of a shift back to UK manufacturing. I mean, it's a very slow start. It's very hard to compete, you know, with the years and years of experience, you know, with, with European manufacturing or Far East as well. Um, but I do see more and more the consumers want to and are looking for, you know, proudly British made manufacturing. So I think as the demand grows, the supply will grow. So I do hope that, you know, the Brexit has triggered 
a little shift into you know the rise of British manufacturing. Um, you know, since starting working with small brands and startups, you know, a lot of them saw themselves, but few of them actually using little workshops and little factories around the UK. Um, so they're there and they're growing. Definitely there's demand. Um, there's not enough skill. So I think hopefully there'll be a shift in there as well. You know, the people will go back learning this skill. Um, so yeah, that's my hope that, you know, we'll, will be able to produce here and compete in quality and in price with very established countries like Portugal and Italy and China. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also a very interesting concept that ultimately what maybe would be the most sustainable is to have something more locally sourced because it's, it's movement is less, um, it's carbon footprint, but okay. Lovely. That's, that's good to know. And then, what um how how can you i guess i'm looking for some advice or tips that you maybe uh have for people who are looking to dress more sustainably um what are some practices that they could start implementing on their own when you think oh i want to be a little bit more sustainable where do i start it's very overwhelming because you know you start googling you learn about it you know it can be anything from you know, the dress or what we eat, where we shop, like all of all of the things that we do day to day, we can always do better, right? And then we go on Google and, you know, and it just gets so overwhelming that you don't know where to start. So I say, start small. Like, you know, you don't have to all of a sudden throw away all of your polyester clothing and, you know, source all the organic stuff, you don't. The most sustainable thing in your wardrobe is what you already own. Um, so you don't need to go buy anything. Um, start small, you know, see, do a, a wardrobe edit and see if there's something that you like and don't like. And if there's something you don't like, why? You know, I, for example, have Zara jeans that I love, but they've got so many rips, which was fashionable, you know, 10 years ago. But now I just, I can't, I can't wear them to the office or I can't wear them to like events. They're just too ripped. So what do you do with that? Um, for example, for this particular jeans, there's a Japanese art called Sashiko, which is art of mending using colorful stitches and patterns. So you can you can take your fabric, you can take your garment that you you know loved, but no longer like, and see if you can slightly tweak it, either by mending it, you know, adding a patch here or there. Um, there's a really beautiful way of adding embroidery. Uh, it's also very therapeutic. You know, you just sit down in front of a TV and start like adding like a little flower or, you know, little, little something. Um, another fun way to change something that you own is to dye it. You can just go to any, um, okay, what are they called? Um, like a rubber dyer shop in the UK and get a um, dylon dye, which is a dye that you just chuck in the washing machine with your garment and it changes color. Um, so it's super easy, uh, especially if you've got something like white, then you can, you can change it to bright neon pink. Um, so you're dyeing something is great. I would always recommend doing that with your black jeans because eventually you know, your black jeans go a bit gray. So dyeing them black again gives them a whole new lease of life. Yeah. Okay. Those, are, those are good tips. So, so keep what's in your closet. That's the most sustainable or try to repurpose it. Um, yeah, those are good, good yeah. starting tips. Um, 
Excellent. So I guess just to uh, wind us down, do you have any um, words of encouragement um, or advice to anyone um, who's trying to start a sustainable business? I would say if you're looking to start something new of your own, whether it's within the fashion industry or just in sustainable space, I think know what you stand for. You know, you, you can't be everything. You can't, you know, we all got profit to make, you know, bills to pay. So you just, you can't tick every single sustainability box. So choose what's most important for you and stand by it. You know, don't deviate from it. Um, to give you an example, I get fabric. I have a zero plastic policy, which means no polyester as well. That no matter how beautiful polyester fabric is, it's just not going to be sold in good fabric because it's against the very basic principle of good fabric. Um, so yeah, knowing strongly of who you are and what you stand for when it comes to sustainability gives you a good like brand identity, and then you can build on that. But don't try to, to be everything at the same time can't. Wow, that's good advice. I feel like that's good advice just for me and my life and I'm not even trying to start a business. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I wanted to ask, maybe maybe this isn't true, but like, did you uh, make or source what you're wearing right now? With I have, yes. Okay, yes so, um, I've made this dress. It's a very comfortable dress. It's, I, um, I, love, I love dresses that can be worn with like trainers because um, it just, you know, nice and casual at the same time yeah I work with my for myself yeah. so it's really hard to get dressed up so I choose like bold prints but comfy patterns so yeah this is one of mine okay lovely yeah when I saw that you were looking for fabrics that weren't just neutral I was I switched my sweater from a beige to a red <laughs> yeah color but um lovely okay well um Thank you for joining us. I really enjoyed our conversation. I, part of me wishes you had a physical store so I could go into it, but that's, but that's just my uh, consumer impulse that I can go browse online. You know, um, we're based in, we, I say we like, as in it's me and my imaginary team, but yeah, we, um, we're based in Wimbledon, um, which um, people think is always tennis. It's more than just tennis. It's a lovely area. And my little studio is right here and I have so many locals who are desperate for fabrics. So, you know, when they Google and they say, oh, can we come and shop in person? They do. So, yeah, okay. it's not a retail space, but everybody's local. They do come here. This is so, it's very like relaxed way of shopping because you've got a whole store just to yourself. Wow. That's, that's a unique experience. Wow. Yeah. Um, lovely. Um, okay. Well, um, Great. I'll let you get on with your day. Thank you so much for letting us chat with you. Right. Thank you so much. Before you go, thank you for listening and engaging with the platform. It helps a ton. Feel free to go to our website to download our 2021 sustainability report to see how Denim Privé is contributing to the conversation. Subscribe to our newsletter for monthly updates so you can stay informed on the denim and fashion industry's sustainability and innovation efforts. To continue the conversation about these topics, feel free to contact us via our social media channels. Thanks for listening and sharing the show. Catch you in the next episode.